I believe that together we can make America great again. Hey, girl. Hey. Coming to you live from the Michter Studios. Not a better studio in the game. I defy you, fellow podcasters, to find a better sponsor <laughs> than the fine folks at the Michter's Distillery. It's uh, true. There's n- I get a day of change the game. And by change the game, I mean destroyed my marriage. I mean, I have so much whiskey. <laughs> Jenny, it's not my fault, Jenny. You understand? I'm just, I'm just trying to plug the product here. You know, some, you know, there's that old country music song, Tequila Makes Your Clothes Fall Off. <laughs> yeah. A, a Michter's podcast makes your husband fall off. You know, <laughs> I'm trying, Jenny. <laughs> uh, we made a deal back in the day when we first got together. She was like, yeah, just don't ever get arrested on TV. Mm. She's like, I think you're nuts. She's like, but I love you. Just don't embarrass my family and get arrested on TV. So right now I'm throwing a perfect game in, in the eyes war. of the law of Jenny Fallon. Right. Uh, but but the name of the show is not uh, Jimmy Needs Marital Help, because he does. But uh, the name of the show is called Everybody Calm Down. It is a celebration of your, your, not my, your, our unique American privilege. We live in the greatest place in the world. Mm-hmm. The greatest place there is i agree with that and um we live at the most convenient time to be in that place in terms of technology we live in the most tolerant time there has ever been in the world in terms of aggrieved classes of people uh we have never enjoyed more economic prosperity nor have we enjoyed more safety the only thing we're not enjoying is ourselves (laughs) (laughs) why i ask you sean barry it's true it's insane. That's why we're doing this podcast. It's like, yo, yo, go outside, pet a dog. Elijah Cummings died today. Civil rights champion. Mm. Died at the age of 68. Horrible story. But I was on Twitter, and there are some people that are like Republicans. Like, uh, you know, you know, I, if you got to crack a joke, it's who you are. It's how you grieve tragedy. I get it. But if you're cracking a snarky joke because you hate, you want to own the libs, dude, you got to quit Twitter. Go seriously, rent a dog or something, right. go out, smile, ride a bike, smoke weed, watch right. a sunset. I don't know. I, don't, I can't fix you. Smell a flower. But I can tell you that you're doing it wrong. Right. This is such an awesome time. Like, we live in the funhouse to the rest of the world. I, I don't doubt that there are countries that don't want to be us because they think we're crazy and we meddle in foreign wars and we do things that they maybe don't agree with. But at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. That's the old Giants coach, Bill Parcells. That was his line. You are what your record says you are. And our record says we are killing it in terms of the opportunity we have to live here. So calm down. Uh, Also, be a Mictors guy. We say that a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't care if you're Republican. We don't care if you're Democrat. Just be cool. Remember Pulp Fiction where he's like, say, bitch, be cool. Remember that in Pulp Fiction? Of course. If that's what we wanted to call the show. But it looks derogatory towards women. And we are not derogatory towards women. No. But we also just don't have time to fight with cancel culture. And we don't want to explain ourselves. Because when someone's mad at you, Sean Barry, and, and it might even be irrational, mm-hmm. what I have learned is when someone is irrationally angry at you, you can't communicate with them on any level no. that will opiate them. And, and maybe I am speaking about something in my personal life. It's certainly not Jenny, though. So how about that? <laughs> uh, happy, uh, happy Thursday, everybody. Michael yeah. Star Hopkins on the show today. He is uh, a legend. Uh, Michael Starr Hopkins, not only one of the best panelists we have on Kennedy, not only one of my favorite green room hangs, he has worked for Barack Obama on his campaign and Hillary Clinton on her campaign. So this is 
by definition, supposed to be someone I can't hang out with. Right, you know? Right. You're going to bring this guy in here for Crooked Hillary. Obama in his tan suit. You want to know why he's coming, folks? Because he's cool. And, and that might be the coolest thing about us is, you know, we don't care who Twitter tells us to think is cool. You know, walk away, y'all. I don't, even, I don't really understand how Twitter works. No, I don't, nobody, have, I don't know how to follow it. Nobody like, does. What's, Twitter doesn't understand at this point. What's it's like just so stupid. Chronological you order. You get on the all. toilet and you yell at people who disagree with you politically. Twitter should be called activists on toilets. That's what it should be called, and that's what it is. Anyway, I move on. Um, I'm failing as a parent. I think we both know that. <laughs> you know, the other day no. I told you this joke that I'm kidding, but you know this joke I told you about, and Lincoln had told that joke on the yes, air that we yes. laughed at. Today, uh, I dropped him off at school. I was giving him a speech about, you know, applying yourself. Where I say, like, hey, man, you know, and we talked about this yesterday, how mm -hmm. it dawned on us yesterday that we've gotten to the age where we're the guy in the car giving advice to the kid who's half not listening. Right. And it's, it's a moment. It's a benchmark in time for me because I've probably been this guy for like five years, but I never thought about it. I thought about it yesterday, and I thought about it today. We're driving to school. I'm giving him a little morning speech. Uh, I, I happen to be unbeknownst to anybody listening, possibly on the verge of something incredible like that would be so exciting and life-changing for me. And I, Lincoln knows about it. Uh, Jenny kind of knows about it, but I trust Lincoln's judgment more than hers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's another story for another time. I'm kidding, Jenny. I love you, baby. Um, but Lincoln, I said, yo, um, you just got to go hard every day, dude. You know, I said, because you have no idea, like if you apply yourself, what you might be capable of, because you'll keep getting better. And you'll create like an environment around you where people go like, oh, this guy's, this guy's good. And he's, he's not a pain in the ass. And he works really hard. And he shows up every day and he's, he's always in a good mood. He's a Michter's guy. The mm -hmm. people around him feel better when he's there because he's nice. He's not foisting his own emotions onto other people's work day and ruining their capacity to get stuff done. He's just like a, you know, a cool guy. So I was telling Lincoln that. I said, just go hard every day. And like a silence hung in the air. And I thought I finally broke through. And he goes, that's what she said. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I got nothing uh, right. as a parent. It's Get over. Out. I'm stopping these Get speeches. Get out of my car. I didn't even slow down. Get I just, I just, opened, I just opened the door. I don't blame you. And I was like, get out. You know, it's like I've just come to that age now. Uh. Where I'm like an Instagram inspirational quote on Instagram. That's what my kid sees me as. My kid sees me as a girl on Instagram who just went through a breakup, <laughs> who's posting inspirational quotes all the time, and uh, it ain't working, you know. But uh, yeah, he's a great kid, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, but I'm annoyed today about donations. I want to talk to you about donations because mm. we're kind people. We're benevolent people. We live in New York City. There's a lot of people um, that are in bad shape on the streets, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I. So I try to help people to the extent that I can. Uh, if I don't have money, uh, I will often even say to like people like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm in this situation. I, I give you like a prayer or some good vibes or a fist bump, uh, preferably not a fist bump. I don't know what you got. No, I'm kidding. But as a mess. <laughs> but no, I'm cool. Uh, I, in that regard, I try to be cool. Um, but have you seen this thing? The fire department does. What's up? <laughs> they come to your house, oh. <laughs> knock on the door, and they're like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna donate to the fire department?" <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because uh, you we see, need you guys because you, right? you, you say no, and like, okay, yeah, yeah. If there's a, if there's a fire, give us a call. Give yeah. us a call. Leave a message. <laughs> you know, it's like that is such a shakedown, right? And I'm I'm happy to to give what I can, but that is like shakedowny. Right. You know, and there's a lot of ways people guilt people into donating and stuff, but that one is a shakedown. And I was like, you know, good for you, though. Good for you. There was a comic, Greg Rogel, 
who had a great joke about uh, in like the night, he's still a great comic. It's not, he's not gone. Uh, I remember him telling this joke in like the nineties about, he's like, you know, they got nuns in airports. They're like, Hey, would you like to give a quarter to God? No. Okay. Have a good flight. Oh my! It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like you turn around and give him a dollar instead. <laughs> like okay, um, but yeah, it's it's very, it's it's very shakedowny, and I think it's funny. But the reason I really want to talk about it, Sean Barry, too, is because they're doing this thing in the city now. You know the clipboard people, they're like, hey, you got a minute for gay rights? You got oh, a minute yeah. for an environment? Like the people in the, you got a minute for gay rights? I'm like, yo, 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 yo. we legalize gay marriage. We live in the most progressive city on earth. Mm-hmm. Gay people are not under attack in New York City. On any level. I don't doubt that there have been issues and that they as a community face a level of oppression I don't as a quote-unquote straight guy, um, but uh, according to my Tinder profile. Um, but but the point is, um, no, I don't have a minute. I hate the I hate the type of donation where you can't even like, you're like, I, listen, I got to go to work. Could I give you 10 bucks? Could I give you five bucks? I just want to go to work. No, we can't take cash, but we can sign you up for this monthly billing thing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm gone. Yeah. Infuriating. But they're doing this new thing now. That happened to me and my coworker Chelsea on the show, um, Chelsea Whitmore, um, where we were walking to the train one night, and they now do this thing where they hide the clipboard, they like tuck it into their back pocket, and a girl like to, to so a guy went up to her, a girl went up to me, but they're both gorgeous, and they just come up to you like, hey, and like most people are like, you know. Oh, hi. Oh. What's going on? Hello there. And now, he's, now you just can't leave. Right. And now you're stuck in a 20-minute donation pitch about the environment. And it's like entrapment. And they're doing it not only in that entrappy way, but they're doing it with very good-looking people. And they're drilling tourists with this because they don't know any better. Right. Um, here's the a word of advice in New York City to anyone coming here for the first time or the last time. If someone looks you in the eyes and says hello you don't know this person, keep going. Right. You are not getting a receipt for this transaction. <laughs> on that, on the small end, on the large end, they they want something. Yeah, you get a thousand yards stare at and pick up the pace. Get moving. Yeah. Um, it's like I love when people say that about like, uh, you know, we'd play like hooker, not a hooker back in the day. I'm like, uh, yeah, anytime a woman says hello to you from across the street, yeah. across the street, hooker. Like you're like, <laughs> literally, you're walking down the street and a woman who's 60 feet away is like, hey, babe, you, hooker. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you got to know that. Uh, I remember going into the city as a kid uh, with my dad mm-hmm. and I used to think my dad was such an asshole uh, when he would, <laughs> He would just literally just ghost people, walk yeah. right past them. They'd try mm-hmm. to hand him a flyer. He wouldn't even look at it. He wouldn't take it. No. And I was like, oh, God, Dad, take the guy's flyer. What are you doing? No. Like in my head. But now I get it. Because it's, it's an old Gaffigan joke. He goes, uh, he goes, you know, I feel like someone when someone hands me the flyer on the street, they're saying, hey, can you throw this out for me? <laughs> <laughs> in that Gaffigan voice, too. Yeah. He's great, man. Can you throw this out for He's me? He's great. He's a great one. But, uh, but yes, the thing with the donations is we all want to help. We all want to do nice. I don't approve of some of these tactics I'm seeing out in these streets right now. Yeah, streets, phones, everywhere. And, and I think the way they should do solicit donations is I would love, um, if this was going to be the difference I made in the world, I would love to quit writing Kennedy's show, if I could, go be the guy who wrote the donation copy for every charity. Because <laughs> I think there's a way to do it for every charity that would be effective and fair. Like, just some of them where I'd be like, you know... um, you know the one they hit you with about like the uh, it's it's not the one with the trees. What's that other society? I don't. It's like it's something to do with like trees or whatever. Okay. But I would love to write like listen. 
I, I, you don't give a shit about this. I know you don't give a shit about this. Right. But here's the deal. Here's you why know. it's important. Yeah, and you can try to explain it and level with people mm-hmm. instead of coming over the top with we're all going to die, the Amazon. Most people think the Amazon rainforest is like a strip club like uh, that you can only get into if you have Prime. You know, they have <laughs> right. no idea what yeah. it is, you know? So it's like I would love to have like be able to write like Frank – uh, conversations for why we should be doing this and I think it would actually be better for everybody's charity in the long run because we wouldn't be doing things as a function of our guilt we'd just be doing them as like yeah that's that's interesting yeah I like this I like that right you know um Christian Finnegan we're doing karaoke today but I mean I'm we on this if you tell a funny joke we will credit you for it <laughs> we're not remember the guy on Twitter the fat uh, I think his name was like a fat Jew. I was actually his name on Twitter. It's not me slandering oh, this man. Oh, the fat Jew. That's that was his name, right? Yeah, I know. Who he and is. he was stealing everyone's jokes. Yeah. And admitting it, mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, I'm not stealing them. I'm curating them." Yeah, yeah, yeah but you're not attributing them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're stealing them, right? Anyway, Christian Finnegan used to have this joke about how him and his wife didn't have any kids, but they loved like perusing the profiles, like it was a Sears catalog of kids you could sponsor in Africa. <laughs> and he'd be like, <laughs> oh "But he'd be like, I'd get in a fight. I'd be like, hey, Christian Mingle.'" I think it's completely outrageous that you're charging me three ninety nine for this gal that I can easily get for one ninety nine over there from UNICEF. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know? he's a great guy. He's, a, he's one of the mo- again one of the most progressive comics I've ever lived. That yeah, is a but, liberal joke. So, say, a so don't joke. come cancel me. Yeah. That's a fantastic joke. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, calm down, everybody. everybody. Calm down. Uh, Michael Star Hopkins joins us when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk all things politics, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, a silly encounter he and I had. While we were filming the Kennedy show, we were filming a sketch for the Kennedy show out in the street one day, and uh, somehow wound up involving him in a roundabout way against his will. You talk about sidewalk entrapment, I'll give you a classic when we come back on Everybody Calm Down. Listen to that sexy groove right there, Sean Barry. Mm. I mean, as as grooves go, yeah, it's a good one. I, I'm 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 aroused. I'm slightly aroused, and I know all of our listeners will be when they hear who's joining us now. I, I think uh, a lot of the grooves that you play uh, uh, get you aroused. I, in another life, I might have worked in like a phone sex hotline, <laughs> which is a lot classier than what I'm doing now as a broadcaster, <laughs> like a 3 a.m. DJ yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, maybe that. But uh, uh, joining us now on the phone, a, a political operative, one of the best panelists I know in all of cable news. And I will say this, this is high praise, uh, sir, but one of my all-time favorite green room hangs, which is a big deal to me, <laughs> the lovely and talented Michael Starr Hopkins is on the phone. Hey, man, what's up? What's up? Here. Oh, you damn right here. it is. You damn right it is. I, I, I hire the best people. You know that. See? Uh, there you go. There, there it is. Um, how, how are you? Everything's good? Are you, are you out in New York now? I know I saw you the other night on Kennedy. How was the, uh, yep. Where are you now? Uh, so I'm back in D.C. I'm in the swamp. Oh, you know? good yeah. God. The I miss New York. You do, I miss right? New York a lot. I do. There's no place like it. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, you didn't grow up here? No, I grew up in D.C. Yeah, exactly. I came to, I came to New York after law school uh-huh. and uh, made it home for a long time. You did. All right. Well, this is the thing. Like, New York is 
New York is going through a thing right now. Like there, there are, there's a lot of stages of New York. And right now we are in our fat Elvis stage in New York. Yes. And you can thank Bill de Blasio for that. Cause uh, <laughs> it's a mess again. It's a mess again in these streets. Yeah. Lots of homeless. Yeah. There's the, well, there's that. And, um, you know, they, they took a lot of the character, Mike, in the name of mm-hmm. progress, they've kind of like forced all the character out of the place. Like, you know, it was actually as a kid when it was all like triple X and porn yeah. and all the crazy stuff everywhere. To me, it was oddly enough, it was cooler um, because like it had a grit. To yeah, it. Yes, that's what I mean. It had like a regional identity. And this idea that you could die at any moment made you feel really alive. You know, yes. now we've replaced um, porn with an $18 pack of M&Ms, which is more pornographic than anything you could do on a stage. You know, uh, so so I get that you miss New York, but I think the New York you miss is the New York I grew up in, because if you miss this New York, I, I have to stop joking with you about your drinking and start talking about it seriously. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, we're going through the same kind of thing here in D.C. Uh, I mean, growing up in D.C., you know, D.C. was gritty. We had Marion Barry. We were the murder capita. We had to change our basketball team's name from the Washington Bullets to the Washington Wizards uh, because, you know, D.C. was going through a lot. And now D.C. has become this like insanely expensive city where they've just come up with names for neighborhoods. Oh, like, they're doing that? Yeah, the Noma, which oh. is now north of Massachusetts Avenue, which like isn't even really a thing. And, but, and Yeah, and but it is expensive. Yeah. Like Hillary Clinton spent $1.2 billion dollars on a house in dc and she didn't even get to move into it i mean think about that for a second boom that's an election joke first thing in the morning there it is that's, that's why you come to everybody calm down we have people from all sides of the aisle michael star hopkins and that's that's part of the the process here is everybody Hillary campaign staff i know i had to do that to you i i owe you one of them uh I, I did owe you one uh and, and i met her i wanted to tell you by the way i don't know if we had this oh, yeah? talk i met her at the no. chicago airport and oh, I saw the pictures of it. I really mean this. Meeting the Clintons. Yeah. Imagine working for Kennedy. How many jokes you write at their expense over the years yes. because political humor. Um, but meeting them greatly informed the show I'm doing right now. And the reason I'm doing it is that in meeting them, you know, when you're around people who anything they do makes news and they are globally visible um, and, and they inspire very strong emotions in people uh, in all directions. Um, you realize, uh, I, I realized and recognized the shared humanity that I have with them and that their life might not be mine and, you know, uh, their level of prosperity certainly might not be mine. But I, I acquired like this deeper understanding of what we're all really supposed to be doing here on this planet in that most people in this news narrative would meet the Clintons and be like, hey, if I dumped a Pepsi on him, I could be really famous in the news tomorrow. But that (laughs) idiot who does that is also out of the news for good on day three. You know, so in in just in just recognizing the shared humanity I had with these people who I've literally been writing jokes about for 30 years, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, my God. And, and, and it made me think that the country needs to, you know, kind of have that moment where everybody backs off the throttle a little bit and just chills out. So your people, you know, you didn't uh-huh. break the glass ceiling, but you did break the podcast ceiling because there we go. our ratings are through the roof, Michael Star Hopkins. So there's that. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> I, I do have to say, I think people forget that when when you run for office, when you mm-hmm. put yourself in front of everyone, you open yourself up to so much scrutiny. Yes, some sir. of the scrutiny is true and some of it's not, but you get you know, get lobbed bombs at you every day. Every and so, day. you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Matt Gates and like that uh-huh. whole crew, uh-huh. but the fact that they are willing to step up and run for office and put themselves uh, forward, you know, mm. there is something to be said about that. Well, so I know, think across both sides. Yeah, I give it to them. And you know, I was telling, I, I was thinking this yesterday, uh, you know, people hate a lot of politicians that they don't agree with. 
But I, I want to say to you, like to anyone listening, don't hate any politician because you don't see the real version of who they are anyway. Like for all you know, they're the coolest person who ever lived. You know, they're just mm -hmm. they, they have to be a certain people to campaign and win a certain job. So you might hate the views they're espousing. But for all you know, they like your favorite TV show. They like your favorite band. They like mm -hmm. your favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor. The only politician you should truly form an opinion on based on how they behave as a politician is Trump because he's the only guy who will ever come along and be himself. And I'm not saying that's yes. a good I'm not saying that's a good thing, <laughs> but he's not faking it in any way. Like right. he's not, no. we are not looking at an edited version of, of there's no standards and practices no. being like, Oh, we got to roll this thing back. You know, that is him. Yes. Have you, in your experience, cause you've worked on, you know, campaigns, mm -hmm. you're all over the place. You're working for John Delaney now, which mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is that still a thing or no? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I started my own consulting firm now. Mm. Uh, so, so you I, could be I'm working. out of the date. I'm you, out of the day to day grind. I love it. But you could be working for the next president of the United States. Wow. I mean, think about that. I mean, I what, the, the odds are you, you have a better chance of winning the Powerball than the presidency. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Delaney. He's great. He's great on our show. In fact, I how, how great was he when Kennedy was filming a man on the street at Fox and, oh. we, ran, and we ran into you guys? Oh, my God. So she's, <laughs> I tried to avoid you so hard. Oh, Mikey. That was an awkward moment. Can I can I give you a little chicken yes. soup for the political operative soul? Absolutely. The perspective I can offer you is there was a worse situation that you weren't a part of that maybe will make you feel better about your own plight. At the 20... Oh, so so to give the audience um, some, some back, backstory, Kennedy was filming a man on the street where she was asking people if Hillary should jump into the race. So you know what a man on the street looks like, producer Sean Barry. She's running up to them with a mic. Mm -hmm. Hey, should Hillary get in? Why? Why not? And they're having laughs and they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. So as we're doing this, Michael Star Hopkins, our legendary guest, comes comes wandering out of the building. And now he always draws a crowd. You know, he's the kind of guy, he's, you know, he's he's Michael Star Hopkins. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, we, Star is not a given name. We gave it to him. Nope. He's Michael Star Hopkins. We're like, yo. Um, but anyway, he comes out with his entourage rolling deep. We see him and Delaney. And my whole life goes into slow-mo because I see Kennedy turning as Delaney's turning. It was like the JFK assassination when they slow down the film as he comes around the corner yeah. on Elm Street. Back and to the left. And now I see, yes, Delaney's back into the left talking to Kennedy on the mic, and he's, and he's great, but I know it's awkward for you. Okay, so we start there. Uh -huh. That's what happened. Michael's candidate is now in the middle of a goofy segment about running for president, a job John Delaney totally, is running for. Totally unprepared. Totally unprepared. And your job, uh, unless you work for Trump, is to make sure the guy's prepared before he goes on TV. <laughs> yes. um, they, they're not doing that. There's no pregame show for Trump. And yeah. I love it or hate it. That's just what it is. You have to accept it. Um, but, Mike, at the, at the 2016 Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you were there. Were you there? Uh, 26 Philly. No, I was in Colorado. Oh, that's it's for the best. No, nowhere yeah. in the world is there a man to be better off if he only spent another night in Philly. You know, <laughs> they're punching police horses. They're knocking over <laughs> poles. But anyway, Philly's the worst. At the 2016 Democratic National Convention, Kennedy and I co-hosted a man on the street segment where we walked into the hospitality. Uh, they had a bar. They literally set up a man. It was it was a bar that belonged mm -hmm. to the Philadelphia Flyers, but everyone could drink there between their hits and their segments and what have you. And Kennedy yeah. and I doing a segment because they had, you know, gotten rid of Bernie Sanders and given Hillary the nomination. We knew that was a very divisive thing within the party. So we were walking around doing a segment on, are you happy drinking or are you sad drinking? Like, are you here happy because a woman got a nomination? Or are you sad because you're a Bernie guy and you think you got jobs? So that was the premise of what it was. And back to your experience of getting caught on camera, 
every mutual friend we have in politics was at the bar completely incapacitated like to the point <laughs> to the point that the the package was supposed to be three minutes long we wound up only being able to use like 50 seconds because we didn't want to destroy anybody's career or make them look bad <laughs> but that was my reckoning when i realized what kind of business i had joined it was like noon on like a tuesday and we were trying to find sober people and just you know like one drink in but there's mm-hmm. no such there's just no such thing everybody was tattooed it was hilarious so what i, I mean- during yeah. during presidential campaigns mm-hmm. outside of 2008 i think every political operative is just sad drinking it's, <laughs> it's too much. once you get behind the curtain uh-huh. it's it, it's ugly it is right campaigns are ugly life it, it, well i was going to ask you that when you are so you worked on the on, on hillary's campaign what mm-hmm. is the day-to-day like on that are you in one place are you traveling what, what do you do so I headed up voter protection in Colorado. Okay. Um, and so we were traveling all over the state, kind of getting um, lawyers prepared for what voter protection efforts look like. Mm-hmm. We were. This is know. where you hand out condoms at the booths? Yes, okay, absolutely. Just, just want to make sure we're clear. Oh, only lambskin. Um, <laughs> my, my personal favorite. Here it is. Yeah, see, right? <laughs> um, see, you're going to be fired. <laughs> no, I'm not. Don't worry. Just keep talking. This is a fun show. Nobody gets offended. We, they, 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 there they we go. Care. Go ahead. Yeah, so we're traveling all over the state. We're uh, doing a bunch of trainings. Um, you know, it, it, every day is different, and especially because we were running against Trump. Mm-hmm. It You never knew kind yeah. of what any day was going to look like. And this this cycle has been even more so. Oh, I, I mean, know. you literally are just responding to crap. <laughs> did, did you every see day. did you see the letter he sent Erdogan? Oh my god. Don't be a tough that, guy. <laughs> I mean, I've seen I sent text messages that that are more official than that. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I I think it was one of those moments though that the enlightened class of analysts think was bad for him but was actually good because it's such a basic level of communication and as absurd as it is guy. and as beneath the office as it might sound, it's really <laughs> funny in a way we can't even articulate. Cuz he's talking to Erdogan like you're trying to push your friend out of a bar. Who's arguing yeah. with the bouncer? Hey, don't be a tough guy, Vinny. Vinny, <laughs> yeah. come on, Vinny. We, we've all been there. No, just to see it on White House letterhead. Yeah. <laughs> how how far are we from a YOLO on a White House letterhead? Are we are we far from a YOLO or a White House? Oh, like, oh, I think we're past YOLO. I think how far are we from him like dropping an f bomb? Oh, in it's White coming. House letterhead. I can't. That I'm gonna get behind. That's gonna be great. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a messy time. So, but hold on a second. You're back in Colorado. You're protecting the voters, which has got, by the way, a gorgeous state. So it's a great, great place to have the gig. Um, Colorado was a great place to be a, for a presidential campaign. Oh man, I know. I was there with my family on vacation. It was the best vacation of my life because, like, all I did, I got a convertible and just drove around. And uh, yeah. I don't know that they enjoyed it, but I had a great time. <laughs> I saw just driving around cliffs. Um, but, 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 but within that, when you when you're doing that is Mm -hmm. there like a day-to-day morale that's affected by the news or is it just affected by the physical toll it's taking on you like what is you you know like we i know what a green room hang is like on a tv show because that's what i do what is that like you're part of a campaign you're out on the road what is that like is it um it's like a shared suffering (laughs) you're kind of like hostages (laughs) together um (laughs) you know i think it kind of depends on what's going on Uh you know when there's news cycles that are really good Uh um then you know you kind of as a group you're all happy you're going out to to drink and Mm -hmm. you know celebrate a victory 
And then there are going to be days where the candidate's not happy and okay. not happy with what's going on. Uh-huh. You know, you're getting reamed out. And then, you know, like uh-huh. you said, wow. Then you're going to sad drinking. Now you're back in the tent with me and Kennedy. Um, yeah. But, but, but on the whole, because people have described that campaign as being like, you know, I think Biden was like, it's joyless and it was methodic. It wasn't, and so it, it wasn't or it was? It was. It was a, it was a pretty, uh, corporate style campaign okay you know it was it was really hard going from the obama campaign which was like summer camp and inspiration and woodstock (laughs) to the hillary campaign which was almost like working for walmart (laughs) (laughs) just the the setup of it was different like the obama campaign office in florida uh where i was was Mm. in an old cigar factory oh wow so it's like a like a Cuban cigar factory. People have yeah, like fedoras it, and linen shirts. Oh, great. Yeah, it was in Ybor City, Tampa, and like it was on like Tampa. a large, a big strip of bars, and it was just a fun place to be. You felt like you were like in the middle of stuff. Yeah, you were doing and, this thing. Yeah, and then HQ for Hillary was in Brooklyn, but she didn't even have ties to Brooklyn, yeah. and it was like a just a weird thing. Too cute by half, you know. Because yeah. she thought it'd be like trendy. Oh, we'll get the hipsters. I'm like, dude, they're voting for you anyway. Or yeah. they're not voting for you because their um, emotional support raven got sick and they can't mm-hmm. make it to the booth that day. Um, yeah. That makes that makes sense to me. But when you said that Hillary's felt like, you know, kind of corporate in Walmart, that does strike me a little bit about what's happening with Joe Biden's campaign, because mm-hmm. he's basically he's taken an old world politics approach to this and that he posited himself as the front runner and has tried to stay above the fray, but he can't anymore. But uh, I think that that, you know, the candidate's attitude must greatly inform the attitude of the campaign staffers, but also affect their ability to motivate voters, meaning your job is to motivate voters on behalf of the candidate. But if you feel like you're working at Walmart after a while, you're just trying to figure out how to get a raise or get out of there. You know, Um, do you think Biden is in trouble? Oh, Biden's absolutely in trouble. I mean, now that we've seen Warren start to overtake him Mm -hmm. uh, in national polls and in state polls, I mean, there's no. There's no coming back. This, and I said this to you uh, before. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a lot of Obama and Hillary in 2008, where Obama, or Hillary was the front runner, yep. and her whole thing was electability. Mm-hmm. And you know, incrementally, Obama started catching up to her, and then once he overtook her, there was no coming back. Yeah, and the I, same things. True for Biden. No one's excited to really vote for Biden anymore. This isn't no. the Biden of before, who no. was like your fun Uncle Joe. I mean, he's almost <laughs> running a Hillary Clinton 2.0. Yes, he, he really is. That's what I mean. He he is. Yeah. And uh, I, it's it's it, again, it's it's hard to yell at the country about the evils of old white men, you know, mm-hmm. and then put send a guy to Washington who actually knew Washington. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, they, you can't do that. And I think that's going to be the problem. I don't it's not so much that we're ageist. I don't think in general, but uh, if we're getting we're certainly getting there, you know, because we're watching a lot mm-hmm. of crazy old people fight right now all day. And even if we don't think their mental capacity is diminished, we do think they behave in a certain way that the country's sick of. Like, I personally think um, if it's not your guy, Delaney, which everyone knows mm-hmm. it's going to be. I think we all agree <laughs> it's it's going to be. I don't even know why they're holding the vote at this point. Yep. But I think I, I would get behind Tulsi Gabbard all day and not just because I met her. But and she was nice and sweet, but because I, I, I know I understand that <laughs> and we can get into it. But I think it's a fresh new look for the country. And I think 
that's the biggest threat to Trump. I also think it's the biggest threat to Elizabeth Warren is because she has been a, like Hillary, very visible person. Not as visible as Hillary, but she's been a, a power player in politics for a long time now, and it doesn't necessarily feel like a reset. Like like Biden wouldn't feel like a reset. And that's why I think like a Tulsi or even a Delaney or, or Mayor Pete. I mean, do you see, because there's a lot of talk now about him surging after Tuesday night. Do you think he has any shot Any shot, or is this just a, vamp, a, a vice presidential campaign taking shape? Uh, I think Mayor Pete is running for like DOD or maybe Secretary of Veteran Affairs. Okay. I don't see a world where Mayor Pete ends up in the presidency or in the VP. Wow! So just because I think there, I think there's some dynamics that have to play out. Mm-hmm. Like I think if if Elizabeth Warren's a nominee, then Julian Castro ends up being the VP. Makes I sense. think if Biden's the the nominee, then uh, Harris ends up the VP. I think there's really? just some kind of some crossover. Yeah, I mean, let, let's just be honest about it. Mm-hmm. If you're an old white guy, mm-hmm. then you need to have a person of color, uh-huh. and preferably a female person of color, mm-hmm. on the ticket. If you're an old white person, vice mm-hmm. versa. I just think there has to be kind of an alignment. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And and it because it it fills in gaps, you know, it gets the candidate yeah. to conversations he's not already in, which makes a but, lot which makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I will say to a broader point, I wrote mm-hmm. a piece a piece about this for the Hill. Oh, such a it. show off. <laughs> but, go ahead, yeah. Great. but I think Democrats should actually be worried about the, the field right now and who they're putting up mm-hmm. um, because there is a lack of inspiration. Yeah. And Democrats vote. Uh, very differently from how Republicans vote. We we vote with our heart. Mm-hmm. We want we want to know why we should believe in you. We want to be mm-hmm. part of something bigger than ourselves. We're mm-hmm. very much an inspirational, yeah. emotional party. Yeah. Whereas Republicans are very much a eat your vegetables. Yeah. and a and and now have become much more of like a grievance party. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! I, listen, I I was with you on all of this, but I do <laughs> think that if you want to talk about a grievance party, Elizabeth Warren is tweeting her pronouns right now. Like, you know, they're like, literally, you guys have been pretty big on cancel culture. I don't want to hold your feet to the fire too much, but uh, yeah. I get, yeah. I get. The, I the PC thing has been taken way too far by Democrats. I, I completely agree with that. But there's become this, a regional factor within the Republican Party where mm-hmm. it's a lot more of the middle of the country uh-huh. feeling like, and for some, to some degree, rightfully so, that they've been forgotten and, and the East Coast and West Coast has thrived. They feel like they're under attack. It's like, I'm not the political yeah. strategist. You are. But vote mm-hmm. for me or you're a racist is a bad message because it's mm-hmm. like there's a lot yeah. of people like social pressure campaigns don't work on good people because they're too in- intelligent and self-assured to be guilted into voting for somebody whose only strategy is to guilt you into voting for them. I think that was a limited mm-hmm. message that they ran against Trump. And uh, the last time around, um, I think Trump, as you probably do, is very vulnerable right now. Very Absolutely. vulnerable. Um, so I don't think this is in the bag by any stretch. Um, but I think that um, the country as a whole and. I know you travel it a lot, too. I think the country to whole is a lot further past race than we think, meaning I know it's out there, but I, you know, I have a lot of family. I, I do comedy around the country and family in the Midwest. Yep. I, I know it's out there, but I don't think it's out there on the level everyone is, is pushing this as. And the reason being is because we're so much more integrated than we were back when racism was really a rampant thing. Meaning the internet, we share a lot of weird common culture now online and on our phones. And I think most people have learned about races and groups that they were ignorant to. And it's kind of taken that edge off a lot. Do you think that? Like, where would you say? This is just a real, like, yeah. spitball. I, yeah. I posit to you, we have, like, 360 million people in this country. I posit yep. to you that old school 1964 Jim Crow racism is about 3% of our country. Just as my guess. I could be wrong. You're also a person of color, so mm-hmm. you see it in a different way than I do. What is your, what's your guess? What is your guess? 
Yeah, I mean, I think old school, that kind of racism where you're throwing around the N-word, I mean, that's just, no one is really accept, accepting that kind yeah, of behavior not. anymore. Uh-huh. Nah. But I think that there's now become levels to uh-huh. kind of racist behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there is, you know, I have friends that are uh, Republicans that mm-hmm. live in like middle of nowhere, Texas, mm-hmm. that would admit that they have some like tendencies to say things that could definitely come off racist. Like jokes. But, or, yeah. or things, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but they're friends with me and mm-hmm. take in on a personal level mm-hmm. would not see themselves as racist. Yeah, but it it when you extrapolate that away mm-hmm. and think about how they think about different groups or what their yeah. innate reaction is to something, they would agree that it it definitely has some bias to it. It like mm-hmm. is borderline racist, okay. and so I think it. I think the more you know someone personally. The less racist, the less sexist, all those kind of yeah. things people are. Mm-hmm. But I think on kind of a broad level, mm-hmm. I think there has definitely been a playing up of, of fears. Yes, I agree. And on both sides and on both yeah. sides, because they're, you know, definitely, you know, signaling out minorities and, and immigrants mm-hmm. to the country, too, uh, mm-hmm. cannot be cannot be argued with. So my last question as we speak to racism is uh, your old mm-hmm. boss, uh, Barack Obama, uh, certainly, yes. certainly not a racist. And for yes. the record, I just want to say this. I am pro-racism because if there's somebody who <laughs> hates who hates. No, I, what I don't mean towards black people, I mean, in general, <laughs> I mean, in general, like if someone hates white people, I'd rather know. Like there was a great. Old, there was a great old comic, yes. Patrice O'Neill, who mm-hmm. talked mm-hmm. about how he's like, he's like white Rest people. Yeah, Patrice O'Neill is a, maybe the best ever. And he's, he's like, yeah. you know, he's like white people. He's like, you guys feel guilty about like um, your own safety. Like he's like, if I, so like, you, like you'll, I could see you like walking through the hood and like grabbing your bag, but you don't want us to see that you're grabbing your bag. Cause you don't want to insult us. He's like, if I'm walking down the street, he's like, I see five skinheads walking down the block. He's like, my fat ass is running. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, for white people, you don't run. And that's why you're all getting beat up all the time. Cause you feel guilty. But if you talk to a lot of old black people yeah. and you know, young black people like myself, they will tell you that there, there is some truth to that though. Mm-hmm. I would rather someone be straight forward with me yes. and let me know how they feel about me yeah then hide it and i don't get promoted for the next 10 yeah. years or i don't uh-huh. you know all these things happen in kind of in a hidden way yes um, that's the more detrimental absolutely kind of racism. well let me yeah and let me and let me say this too it's like um you know to to that to that point uh, of you know the type of racism is doing damage because we're not it, it stifles our ability to communicate you know mm-hmm. um but i i wanted to say this about uh president obama it's just a throwaway line but um he yesterday came out and endorsed Justin Trudeau for the presidency of Canada, a man (laughs) who was caught wearing blackface on double Mm -hmm. occasions. The reason I find this significant is he hasn't endorsed Joe Biden for president. What Mm -hmm. did Joe Biden wear on Halloween in 1971 that was worse than (laughs) Justin Trudeau in blackface? That's that's, that's my, I'm answering. You're a guy who has to dig up dirt on people. Uh, Is there a Biden Halloween scandal coming? I need to know. Oh, my God. I mean, at this point, nothing would really surprise me when it comes to <laughs> Biden and the, the slip ups these days. No. Just, uh, yeah, it ain't good. Well, I'm glad. Listen, I'm glad we could be honest about it, you know, because I think that's where it's headed. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got to be honest about these. Yes. Things. It's and, uncomfortable. And, to and that's a, what that mm-hmm. means we have to talk about. It. Yeah, that's that's why someone had the genius idea to do a show called Everybody Calm Down. It's because people could just chill out and get that we get it. And to our point about being uh, encouraging open racism, JFK, uh, he wasn't talking about racism when he said this, but he has this great quote about how his favorite people to deal with when he was in the Senate were just the bottom feeding guys who were on the take. 
He goes, because mm-hmm. he always knew how to communicate with them because he knew what their principal motivation was and he knew exactly Absolutely. he knew exactly how they were going to react to anything he said. So, you know, if you're an idiot out there, certainly we don't want you to pose a threat to anybody, uh, but we don't want to push you into the shadows either because it's, you're more useful to us if we know how to work off you. You know what I'm saying? So, Fela Hopkins 2024, make racism loud again. What do you think? Let's Is it going to work? I mean, Let's you're a strategist. Do you feel good about it? I think <laughs> we got this. We're going to unite all factions if, of the country. Hold on, I couldn't hear you <laughs> over the sound of our sponsors pulling out. There's just a, a loud screeching of a car that just pulled away from the studio. Yo, I appreciate you coming on today. This was epic. It was fantastic. Hey, man. Um, let's, Anytime. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll certainly do it again. Uh, get back in the hood. And you really were. You were so great on the show the other night. I, uh, we had so much fun. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun show, and it's about to get crazier. Like, people don't know what's going on. I'm certainly not allowed to talk about what's going on. But I on, on our show, maybe we're ahead of the curve on this. But we have recognized the need for there to be a cool place where everybody can hang out. And that's the thing we're trying to give back to the country. So seriously, not to get all, I don't want to have like, a, I don't want to sing wind beneath my wings right now. I don't like you that much, but uh, no, you're great. Uh, but no, you're, you're a big part of that. So thank you, man. We'll do it again uh, soon. I, I told you this. I have more fun doing that show than almost any other show I've done because it feels like family just sitting around talking, you know. Figuring out what the hell is going on in the world. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like Manson family. It's a, yeah, it's a family, all right. But now it's a great time. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'll see you soon. Take care. Michael Star Hopkins, everybody. There he goes. A legend. An absolute, an absolute national treasure. A gentleman. Sean Barry. Yeah. Uh, he worked in the Obama campaign. Worked on the Clinton campaign. That's incredible. Now he's working on John Delaney's campaign. I'm like, oh. yo, what did you... I wanted yeah. to ask him, what did you do wrong... <laughs> On the Clinton campaign, <laughs> Obama, Clinton, Delaney. I just want to take a little off his plate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's you know, it's it's interesting. But he's uh, as good of a guy as you're going to meet in our industry, and that's why you come to this podcast. Because with the exception of you and me, everybody else is really cool. You know, mm-hmm. we're all right, but I mean, I think our superpower is we don't care if we're cool that we get by. We just listen. We have 200 bottles of whiskey. We don't need your approval. <laughs> Make it 199. We didn't have it before, and thanks to the whiskey, we don't need it now. <laughs> we'll be right back with a couple of headlines, and then we'll wrap this thing up. in presidential history. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The Democrats have to now decide whether they will continue defrauding the public with ridiculous bullshit. Woo! We're living in this. This is a real thing, Sean Barry. This is the world we inhabit. Oh, man. And I posit to you, the listener, it is the best time to be alive. Yeah. 
calm down. You have to just enjoy this. We're never doing this again. No. Do you want to know why we're never doing it again? Because even if we wanted to, there won't be a world left to do it in. It's a mess right now. <laughs> it's hot out there in these streets. <laughs> But it's really funny. We're enjoying it. It's it's been fantastic. And and, and to, just to be clear, the world is not ending. I wasn't really actually telling you that. We're doing fine. I mean, the only thing that's really changed in this world in the last three years is how much time we spend fighting over this world on our phones. If someone could just invent something else to do while we're pooping, I blame the decline of print media for yeah. the Twitter hate. There was a time when people read newspapers. It was literally like a magazine rack in everyone's bathroom. Yeah, it's gone now. Print media is in the the, the toilet, and now so is the country in that regard, is that everyone's just sitting there now reading stuff they can react to and share. It's, that's all it is now. We're just we we now have an ability to read the newspaper out loud with the rest of the country. And I don't think it's good for us. At the very least, what I I definitely don't do on the tele, on the uh, toilet is take uh, phone calls. So. Oh, it's the uh, class guy. Neither yeah. do I. I don't I don't do that. I'm no. Class is a classy show. You're that's a right. Michter's guy. That's right. I'm a Michter's guy. You know what that means, guys? It means we just treat people good. Mm-hmm. We're classy. We don't take calls on the toilet. Listen to this. Listen to this accent. You gonna tell me I'm not classy? <laughs> By the way, we got to do the headlines. My my buddy, he just uh, the TV fell off a trunk on the Cross Bronx Expressway. <laughs> he says he can give it to us cheap. Again, class show, class yeah. show. Uh, a couple of headlines, Sean Barry. We will wrap up a stellar Thursday. Yeah. So we get ready for tomorrow's wife privilege Friday. Always my favorite. Uh, <laughs> we were talking to Michael Star Hopkins earlier um, about things going on around the country. He's a guy that tra- travels the country. I meant to ask him this. The USA Today. He's a guy who spends a lot of time in hotels. Mm. The USA Today just announced that it's phasing out its print edition, mm. which is, is for people who stay in hotels, that had become like a, a benchmark of staying there is every morning you would open your door when you were checking out, trip over a six foot thick USA Today, right. and then leave it there on the floor <laughs> and go to the front desk. And maybe they realized they're like, yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave in the newspaper business. And you were never in the newspaper business. You were in the doorstop business. Right. Maybe if you just cut down the costs, it was all pie charts and 71 sections. I'm like, who do you think is staying in these hotel rooms? <laughs> like, do you think people are taking hostages at the Red Roof Inn and you're just being nice and giving them some reading material? Yeah. Because it was 71 sections. But again... I lament the decline of the USA Today because print media gave us something to do on the toilet. Mm. I don't tweet on the toilet. I don't take phone calls on the toilet. I don't tweet very often. If you go through my feed right now, nobody's given me a major job someday and and I'm losing it over tweets because I'm not an idiot. I also think it's terrible that you should lose your job over tweets. But that being said, I'm not as emotionally invested as a lot of people are because it's stupid. You don't know these people. I just can't imagine anyone cares what I'm doing on a day-to-day. Think about this. Twitter is like road raging against a person who's driving on a different highway than you. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. You don't even know these people. Right. You don't even know where they are. You don't even know what they're doing while they do this. You don't know what preceded their decision to tweet what they did. And here we are fighting it out. I'm telling you right now. You got it. You just got to calm down because it's so stupid. It's stupid. I agree with that. Thank you, Michael Star Hopkins, his old boss. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, survey by the Treasury Department mm. found that the federal deficit up uh, went up by one point two trillion dollars in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh, no matter what party you you get behind, you should be upset by this. 
because we don't have a revenue problem. I say this all the time. We have a spending problem. Like the government spends a lot of money. That's typically everyone's. Well, of course, problem. but every but every every politician is like, yeah, we're gonna cut spending. <laughs> no one's cutting spending because the minute you take money away from something, it's like, all right, so the military budget is eight hundred fifty gazillion dollars. Let's take away three gazillion, and everyone's like, he hates the military. Right, right. All right, Just so spend uh, it in yeah. some way make you look. We like have seventy seven programs for the homeless. Let's cut it down to seventy six. Trump takes a dump on homeless person. Right. You know, it's it's like. So we're never going to cut spending again because we're too busy demonizing people for their rational decisions in most cases to cut spending, you know, but it's we're that broke. Like I think at the Trump rallies, it's that they're going to start chanting sell a wall. It's not going to be build a wall like sell it. Maybe we can get some cash for this. We're right. in dire straits. I don't know. But uh, we need to do so, We need to do better with the uh, we need to do better with uh, the spending. Can I say that? We do. I mean, let's have a family meeting right now. Yeah. You know, we need to do that. So so that's where I'm at on this. Okay. Um. I liked this story. A Bel Air mansion has hit uh, the market for $225 million. Really? Million dollars. Two hundred and twenty. Uh, to, to be, if you want to Google this story at home and look, um, they show the listing online. It's not that impressive. It's like a house that overlooks a country club, but the landscaping is so... You know those houses who in their front yard like don't do a lawn? Like some houses, like in the suburbs, I'll give you an example. Some people do the rocks with the oval driveway sure. and like the ship rope. Okay. And they yeah, make their yeah, house yeah. look like a boat. Got it. It's, it. That was like the worst aged concept. Like, is that aged? Maybe that looked cool in 1971 or 82, whenever the hell you did it. It's especially bad when you're not even close to the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just looks weird. <laughs> yeah, you get it in certain towns. But again, but... if you like it, I'm not going to yuck your yum, if, right. as they say. Ooh. Yeah, fine. But uh, it, it didn't age the best. But this house in Bel Air, it looks like a big, giant plantation-style house. But the landscaping is so busy up front, it almost looks overgrown. Mm. They have, like, so many bushes, big and small, but they're only one shade. And it almost makes it look like they're growing out of the sidewalk. So I wasn't terribly impressed, but it's $225 million. So a quarter of a billion dollars. A quarter of a billion dollars. In, for a home. In Bel Air, which is the, I know nicest neighborhood in LA. I mean, is there some sort of roller coaster in the backyard? <laughs> no. I don't know about. Oh, uh, Bel Air, if you've ever driven around, uh I it's haven't. it's the nicest thing in the world. It's mm. all hills overlooking. It's where like Beyonce lives. I'll show you pictures of their house in my phone. I have it's pictures where, of their house. It's where Will Smith grew up. Where, <laughs> they had a they have royalty there. You're right. I forgot there's a monarchy in Bel Air. Maybe that's why it's so expensive. Mm. Um but it's it's the nicest neighborhood I would say in the world. Not even LA in the world. It is nice, man. It's nice. I mean something's only worth whatever you can get for it, right? So maybe, yeah. you know, it would be a problem. Maybe somebody will buy it up. I don't yeah. know. But it's it's you know, it's like that neighborhood. It's that one. It's the one neighborhood in LA where like the homeless people are wearing tuxes. Like they're still there, <laughs> but they're dressed very nice. You're like that gentleman pooping on the sidewalk is very debonair. I said, "Wow, <laughs> who do you like?" You feel self conscious around the homeless people. Like well, I gotta get my my life well, together. Well, the homeless people actually live in capes over there. You <laughs> they're, know? They're they just, have homes. They're yeah, just considered they're homeless. Considered homeless. They're yeah. Like oh, who's this guy in the six bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the dollar. <laughs> oh, Shawnee. Uh, I don't know. This one's way up my alley. Dutch police, which I didn't know that was a thing. Well, <laughs> Dutch police. Sure. Isn't everything legal there? What do you need the police for? Yeah. Dutch police. Are you ready for this? I, I can't wait. It's man. I'm not overhyping this with my excitement right now. Dutch police found a father and his six children hiding inside a farmhouse where they've been waiting for the end of the world for the past six years. I'm not me. What the hell did you just say? What? A man and his children have been hiding inside a Dutch farmhouse 
for six years. Like in somebody else's farm? No, it was uh, their theirs. Own? So they went from the regular house to the... Farmhouse. To the farmhouse. They had been like missing. Farm? No one had been able to find them. He had built like a fallout shelter and they've just been living down there. Not bathing, you know, not leaving because the world was ending any second now. Like, oh. just just go out with the world then. Yeah, that's what, what I say. If someone tells me the world is ending. Oh, I'm going in the backyard in the lawn chair. I'm not, yeah, well, I'm not even going to tell you. Mictors. I'm not even going to tell you. I'm maybe, maybe more than one. I'm not even going to tell you the things I'm doing if the world's going <laughs> to end. That's the problem with that um, apocalyptic scenario is what if it's like the world's going to end and mm-hmm. you run out into the street and you whore it up and you drink it up, you fuck it up, you fight it up. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, we are so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fake news. Right. <laughs> and now you're like, I don't, do we, do we prosecute this? Like, yeah. what do we do? We forgot to carry the two on our, on our equations. The that's thing the, the asteroid was hitting. My problem. That's my problem with apocalyptic orgies is if the world somehow doesn't end, it's really awkward. We're like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, how do you think this Dutch father feels? Thing, yeah. The, uh, apparently, I, I would love to know how he feels. What a weird, weird dude. And, and honestly, if he's down there for six years, I mean, did he think it end? Did he think that it was already over and he was uh, surviving, or or was he just waiting for it to happen and said, no, no, no stay down tomorrow. It's definitely coming tomorrow. <laughs> Kids, oh my the god, great pumpkin's gonna fly over. Honestly, who could live in a small confined space with six? Kids, <laughs> I have four, and I want to. I want to throw them out the window on a regular basis. I was going to say this: the most shocking in 2019 store thing about this story is you read it and you go, "Who had you?" Like you just said, what kind of psycho right. has six kids? It's just him. Like, what are you a dugger? Like, who are you? I hope you have a reality show. Oh. He's like, he's the new Archie Bunker. You know, like, <laughs> Zing. no, I know. I'm sorry. You know, I, you know, listen, what do you want from me? Sorry. I'm trying over here, Sean Barry. We're just trying to do a gosh dang cable news show. That's all we're trying to do. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> you see Kim Jong-un on the horse? I haven't. No, I'd like to see that, though. My favorite thing <laughs> in the world. so nice. It's like a donkey. He posted, <laughs> he posted all these pictures of himself riding a white horse. <laughs> And uh, I don't even need to see it. I can see it in my mind. Kennedy Kennedy had a great line. She's like, you know, it looks like the cover of like a bad romance novel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, they couldn't get Fabio, so they got Flabio. <laughs> it's just this fat guy on a horse. <laughs> this stupid haircut. Oh, he's such a dope. Oh, I love it. And uh, he's on a horse, and people are giving him a hard time. Just eating eating a piece of cake. Yeah, she's, exactly. That's what he said. <laughs> Our producer, Dion Byer, is like, yeah, it looks like a Western. We're like, yeah, a fistful of nachos. <laughs> Kim. Jong-un stars for a few Twinkies more. You know, it's absurd, Kim Jong-un. Everyone's laughing at you. Yeah. Stop it. Get off the gram, Kim Jong-un. Get back to starving your... Get back to doing what you do best. Not feeding people, yeah. you loser. Oh, God. Uh, listen, man, we don't mean to plug the competition or give them any shine on our show, but uh, the Jim Beam family mm. is renting out their family home in Kentucky as an Airbnb. Mm, hard times, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With our Michter's plugs yeah. have gotten so good. That's right. That Jim Beam is being forced to rent out their home. We got to give them, we got to prop them up a little right now. Hey, that's what I'm saying. And you know, listen, the, to be fair, it's, it's about time like a beam drinker spent a night somewhere besides the county. You know? <laughs> they're going to be like, wait, a bed? What is this? Covers? I'm not used to that. But uh, that is what they're doing. And um, what you call it? You can you can basically rent it out for twenty three dollars a night, and it's like a gimmick to get them talked about online. And it's one of those things where 
it'll probably only be in operation for like three days because you don't want the people who would pay $23 right. in your place. And can I just tell you this based on my experience of when you start out doing stand up, the shows are free. You know who comes to the free show? Not the guy you want in the show because <laughs> they don't respect it. They didn't pay anything for it. Right. They just trash it and they beat the room senseless. Right. It makes you a better comic because you're facing live ammo all the time. And you, you get beyond even telling jokes, you, you learn how to fight for the audience's attention, let alone make them laugh. So like me playing the hot comedy club, which is the most ramshackle dump of a flop house of a club, which literally had a whorehouse above it in a brownstone on 47th Street, 46th Street. Mm -hmm. It's on Restaurant Row. It had a Filipino trans brothel where the five girls had taken out an ad on like it used to be like back page. And that was like a thing back then. They would post a picture on back page for like a hook, like in that hooker section they had. But it was five girls who dressed up as the same thing. So they all had the same type of hairdo, same lipstick, same eyes. They all wore the same dress. And they would just rotate serving clients when they went upstairs. Right. And Dean used to say the guys would go upstairs. You could see the tourists go upstairs excited. He's like, and they would come down philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting. Uh, but it was there. And, that, and in that comedy club, that's where like uh, I cut my teeth with tourists who are coming into like a free show. Right. And literally like you should be performing in front of chicken wire. Like they're throwing beers at you. They're screaming, they're fighting. People are giving birth that didn't even know they were pregnant. Like we're talking about that class of crowd right. and man, oh man, but it makes you better at what you do. But, uh, I don't know that you should rent your house to those people is all I'm trying to say. Is that fair? That's fair. I think that's the move. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like, we almost have to acknowledge this. Uh, a new book, it's our sports story for the day, claims that former Cowboys coach Jimmy Johnson bullied Janis Joplin in high school, which for starters, I had no idea Jimmy Johnson went to high school with, Jan with Janis Joplin. Nobody knew. First double starters, neither did Janis Joplin. Yeah. Like Janis, like, they're pushing this. Like, that's the sensationalized claim that's going to sell books by mobilizing people against Jimmy Johnson. Like, justice for Janet was, Janice was trending online last night. Really? Yes, because people have nothing to do with their self-hate. How, how long has she been dead? Oh, like, Give me a 40 break. years. Number one. Yeah. But of course like, she was bullied. She's a great singer. That's what made her good. Yeah. Like, do you understand, folks? She was not attractive either, by the way. We're, oh, Sean Barry. I'm saying, but that's Come like on, a, Sean. But that's a well-known thing Barry, about that's it. it. We're suing. <laughs> We're going to sue. Sean Barry. But it's true, though, about Janis Joplin. She really carried herself on her own, uh, her talent. You know, it wasn't like a, she wasn't a show pony. She didn't look good. She was Janice She Joplin, was a wreck. One of the most talented people that'll ever live. Absolutely. But our point here, as we ride out today, on another sensation, sensational episode of the program, is that bullying does also serve a purpose. <laughs> no one wants to hear this in PC land. If you want to watch my Amazon Prime special, State of the Union, you can see my full take on bullying. But it certainly helped me because you knew where you stood in the world. Your flaws were exposed mm -hmm. to you. And maybe some of these flaws weren't real. They were unjust, and they gave you crippling self-doubt. But crippling self-doubt is really helpful. It is, in a way, because it makes you double-check your work, and it kind of gives you some restraint in a world of no restraint right now. Meaning, I go online. All the wrong people have confidence. Like, you see these people yeah. like, oh, yeah, I know I'm good. Yeah. And I'm not talking, maybe that sounds like I'm impersonating black people. I'm actually talking about white people. Right. I am talking about... Um, Cash me outside. Yeah, people like people who have been told they're amazing their whole life, 
but did nothing to earn that description. Right. Like, we're going to get people killed with all of this, like, brave. You know, and like, he's brave. He doesn't bathe. Ugh. So brave. Everybody else does soap. He doesn't do soap because he's brave. Good for him. <laughs> like, no, no. The guy who's brave is the guy who sits next to him on the bus yeah. because that guy is really risking it all. You know, we're going to get, stop encouraging people. Like, I don't care what you weigh. I am personally attracted uh, in general, socially and physically, to heavier people. Um, because I maybe I'm one of them for starters, but I just like the energy that they tend to have because we're attracted to energy more than we are looks. So I don't care what anybody weighs. But this idea that we're applauding people who weigh 700 pounds is probably not good for them. Oh. You know what I mean? It's probably not helping them. They're not just obese. They're morbidly They're threatening obese. their lives. Right. And it's like, we're like, good for you. Be who you are. Mm. I'm like, no, you, you're becoming like a... A population control device. You're wiping out the food supply of a region right. because we're telling you it's good that you need a, a, a forklift to get off a couch. Yeah, a and a scooter it's, to get around this. And again, supermarket. And that, yeah, and that could very well be a disease and an illness that they are powerless against, and that's fine. But I think we should be honest and be be trying to help them fight it. As opposed to just, we're like telling people, now, baby, just ride it off the cliff, man. <laughs> when the Domino's guy comes, hit him over the head, steal the pizzas, get in the car, and step on the gas. <laughs> and that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Again, though, no, don't come here for real advice. Because we if we've proven anything in this hour, it's we've no idea what we're doing. No. But we love doing it. So thanks for being a part of it. Watch the Kennedy program tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Fox Business Channel. Uh, check out this Monday, the New York Giants podcast. Word on the street is I will be hosting with Lawrence Taylor. <gasps> LT, baby boy. Nice. My childhood hero, a man who I played Tecmo Bowl with in my formative years. All I ever did, I, I spent literally sixth grade through eighth grade playing Tecmo Bowl with Lawrence Taylor. Literally. And now he's not the daily co-host. I want to be very clear. But he is going to be uh, what I've been told the first guest on the show. How about that? That's incredible. Me and, me and uh, LT who told the greatest story of all time. I want to bring it up in his book, and, and we'll close on this. We do have to go. I know they're in my ear. It's like a whole thing. Um, L, there was a story where in the 80s, the NFL was trying to look pro like a progressive sports league when it came to steroids. Mm -hmm. So they were, to create the optics of them caring, they gave the players take-home drug tests. Hmm. It's like, go home, pee in this cup, bring it back to us, and we'll test it. And, you know, the wink and the nod there is, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, just it bring out. us back pee. They didn't right. say who's pee. Right. Anyway, the players were able to get away with this for like five years. But in the collective bargaining agreement, when it expired and they had to need, needed to negotiate a new deal, the NFL realized, like, we do have to tamp down on steroids because we don't want these people killing themselves, destroying their bodies. Um, so let's actually address this. And the players union was like, no, no, we like the take home. They're like, yeah, we do, too. But here's the thing. 12% of those drug samples tested pregnant. Right. <laughs> that, it's a true story. <laughs> and that's a that's a real thing. Oh and uh, away we went, Sean Barry. So uh, now you got no more take-home drug test. Next time, have the kid pee. Instead mm. of the wife, have the kid pee. Best advice I can ever give you. Always right. have the kid pee. All right. Fail at 2020. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but we had a great time today. I had a better time, Sean Barry. I had a fantastic time. Best so day thank, of my life. Thank Jimmy. you for that. See everybody. See you on Kennedy tonight. 9 o'clock, Fox Business. Do it, baby.
Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy.